Hey everyone, it's Danny Burke of VEASAN's Rush Hour. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all of the Chicago teams. If you're from Chicago or just a fan of any of the Chicago sports teams and you want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Chicago CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts readily made available to you. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host. As always, like I throw out there to begin the shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Burke5, and you can also catch my other program, which is Rush Hour. Goes on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. And we do that one live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook up in Des Plaines at the Rivers Casino. Great setup there if you haven't checked it out. Solid food and great screens and, of course, good betting opportunities. So be sure to stop on by and sign up. Say what's up to us at the booth or catch my show on VEASAN.com or the VEASAN app, Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, Xfinity app, YouTube TV. Oh, and that's right, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place, baby. You can get in touch with us pretty much everywhere. But in terms of today's CityCast episode for Chicago, we've got a big one ahead. It is heading into the weekend, so we'll look at those first half lines for the Bears and the Packers. Still update the overall game lines, talk about injuries and much more. And then I'll give out some of my college football plays for this weekend. But we have a guest joining us for this show, Matt Reynoldson. He's actually my classmate at Nebraska. We were in the J School together, the journalism school, if you didn't know what that meant. And uh, now he's doing great work over at Green Bay for local news there. CBS station covers the Packers exclusively. And look, he just knows all the in-depth analysis and insight with this team. And obviously did a great job covering the Huskers at Nebraska. So we'll see if he's got some strong betting thoughts for the Nebraska and Minnesota game. I know that I do, so we'll be sure to dish all of that out later in the program. But Matt Reynoldson will be joining us in between a couple segments here. But look, I had him on my show last year with Rush Hour, and I just remember he, he pretty much nailed it in terms of some of the player props we were going over. Because again, the important thing that you also want to do as a better is get in touch with these local guys, these beat reporters who are following the team and going to practice on a day-to-day -day basis, really. I mean, you're finding out stuff from them that you wouldn't find out from the national media or otherwise. So it'd be really important to follow along with these guys and listen to what Matt says. So excited to talk with Matt Reynolds in a little bit later in the show. But let's go ahead and begin with the injuries and updated overall game lines for the Bears and the Packers. Now, you know, there was, there was excitement for this game, I think we can all say, heading into this weekend, right? And then it just seems like it's toppling among, a, like, just on each other. Player after player, you're hearing injury-wise, and it's not that a majority of them are officially out. But the big news, naturally, that we all know of for Chicago is that no Damian Williams, he was placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list on Thursday, had a positive test for the virus, which absolutely blows. I mean, obviously just because of him having COVID and the potential of spreading it to the team and everyone else. But look, Damian Williams, we talked about it last week against the Raiders saying no David Montgomery, no problem. And yeah, Damian Williams went off and I still think this was going to be a favorable matchup for him. Now on the bright side, Khalil Herbert did very solid. 
right? I mean, we look at his stats, and he had a very solid day on the ground getting some solid reps um, himself in that game against the Raiders. So there's, of course, a chance that he can do it again versus this Packers team that, look, against the run, they're nothing phenomenal, but they're really not as liable against the run as some other teams are, such as the Raiders. But you look at what Herbert did. He actually led the team in carries last week in yards. I mean, Williams had 16 rush attempts for 64 yards and did find the end zone. But at the end of the day, and he had two catches for 20 receiving yards. But at the end of the day, Khalil Herbert was at the top of the list with 18 carries for 75 rushing yards. Got about 4.2 yards per carry. So, you know, I feel fairly confident in Khalil Herbert. And what he can do on the ground game, you know, him being the sole back is a little bit, I don't want to say concerning, but is he ready for the moment, I guess. And, you know, I get it. He was leading the team in carries last week, but knowing you're the number one guy with not too many reserves behind you, Ryan Noll, what, he's going to be the second stringer now? Uh, it's a different feeling, but... He's, I'm hoping, ready for the test. And, you know, this Packers defense is allowing just 102 rushing yards per game. So, again, it's nothing to write home about in terms of hoping for huge results out of Herbert. Can he produce it? Absolutely. Can the offensive line step up? That's a big question and what it's going to filter throughout. So, uh, no Damian Williams in this game. That's kind of a blow to the Bears. What's also concerning is that... Akeem Hicks has been questionable this whole week, really, with his groin issue. And I know a lot of players who pop up on questionable to weekly basis and doesn't come to fruition, such as Khalil Mack. But he is questionable as well. He didn't participate in Wednesday's practice. Allen Robinson was a non-participant at Thursday's practice because of his ankle. Darnell Mooney, with his groin, was limited at practice on Thursday. And, you know, uh, Fetty's going to be out. I mean, he's on the IR, which stinks. But, look, maybe uh, someone else can step up on the offensive line that had holes to begin with. But a lot of injuries are plaguing the Bears. Maybe not a lot of legit injuries, but questionable injuries. And then the big one being Damian Williams. But the Bears aren't a team by themselves that have been plagued with injuries. We know the Packers are dealing with those issues as well. In terms of questionable players, Robert Tunyon is questionable. They're tight end. Aaron Jones, the running back, which would be huge if he misses this game. He is questionable, but you have A.J. Dillon, who's a fairly sufficient backup. Dennis Kelly, their offensive tackle, is questionable. Kevin King, the cornerback and an already banged-up secondary, is questionable. Jair Alexander, as we know, is on the IR. He's a cornerback. And Zadarius Smith, their linebacker, also on the IR, will be missing this game. So we knew it going into it that this Packers defense was banged up, and they may even be more banged up. But again, so might the Bears. But we can't. At this point, as we're recording this episode, factor the questionables into the mix. You have to look at it as if you're assuming they're going to play. But the spread says differently because we know it opened at 3.5 and, and the immediate love went to Green Bay up to 4.5. Then the Damian uh, Williams news came about and then it kind of went up to 5. And now it's up to 6. That's right. The Packers are now a 6-point favorite on the road against their division rival Chicago Bears. Their minus 240 is Green Bay on the money line. The Bears are now catching plus 205. This total has finally touched the 44. That's where it is. 44 total points. Overs minus 114. Under is minus 107. I know I talked about liking the total going over at first, and if it went to 44, maybe I'd entertain it. But now that you're missing Williams, I don't know if he deserves to be that big of an impact because of what Khalil Herbert can bring to the table. And also for the fact that I'm saying that it would go over because of the necessity for Justin Fields to throw the ball. 
So maybe you don't take that too much into account and more so you take advantage of the number dropping lower. We'll get into that a little bit later or more so on next episode, but just wanted to throw out those updated lines, a big movement going with the spread up to six in favor of the Packers, man. Oh man. But let's do what we typically do heading into the weekend and get you ready with some first half betting angles for the upcoming Bears matchup. That's going to be Green Bay and Chicago. We already know that, but uh, just throwing it out there in case someone's just, you know, flying by in the seat of their pants and just, you know, taking it by, I don't know, week to week. Who knows? Whatever. Let's get into it with my better half. The segment we call on Rush Hour. We'll still call it that here um, on the Chicago City Cast. And of course, it's a pun because it's not B E T T E R. It's better, like a better. B-E-T-T-O-R. Yeah, I know. Shut up, Danny. Get into it. I get it. All right. Well, let's first of all just go into the first half stats for these teams. What have the Packers been averaging and allowing? And same for the Bears. Packers offensively in the first half are racking up 13.4 first half points per game. Defensively, they're allowing 13 first half points per game. Not too great from Green Bay. The Bears. They're averaging offensively nine first half points per game. That puts them bottom tier at 22nd in the NFL. Not good. Uh, defensively, fantastic. And we have talked about this week after week. Every time they've stayed under, it's because they're allowing their opponents just 5.2 first half points per game this season. That is second best in the NFL, only behind Carolina. And Carolina hasn't played as good of opponents. So the Bears defense has been dominant in this first half. They only give up 13 to the Rams, uh, nothing to Cincy, 10 to Cleveland, shut out Detroit in the first half, only three to Las Vegas. His team has been on a roll in the first half in terms of what they've been able to limit defensively. Can they do the same against Green Bay? So let's get into these odds, though. The first half three-way betting angle is the Packers tie or Bears, meaning you could bet the Packers to be leading and in going into the second half, the Bears to be leading going into the second half, or you can bet this game to be tied going into the second half. Plus 1050 if you think it's going to tie. Yeah, fantastic odds, but seldom does it actually land on a tie for any game. The Packers in this spot are minus 167, and the Bears are plus 175. Now, the difference, of course, I always like to throw out there between the first half three way bet and the tie no bet. In the first half three-way, the Packers are minus 167. The tie no bet, they're minus 205. The tie no bet, the Bears are plus 155. In the first half three-way, they're plus 175. You get better value on the first half three-way bet because the tie is implemented as a betting option. Meaning, if you did take plus 175 with the Bears and this game is tied going into the second half, you lose your money. But if you take the just plus 155 money line bet on the tie no bet and it ties going in, to the second half, then you'd get your money back because it's a push. It's not a betting option. So that's how you always got to keep in mind when you're doing these first half bets. The Bears are three and two on the first half money line this season, as are the Packers. Is there anything worth betting on it? No. Unless you think there's value with Chicago and having the chance to win the first half, I don't think so. And I rarely do. I like to opt into jumping into the spread more so. And this could be a good option with the Bears here. Three and a half is what the spread is. And pretty much every time we've kind of see it been over that key number of three, it's been a good spot for Chicago. Maybe not every time, but at least last week was because it was over and the Bears were up 14 to three against the Raiders. Packers, if you want to lay three and a half in the first half, the odds are minus 108. If you want to take three and a hook with Chicago at home, it's minus 121. Now, if we applied this three and a half point spread to every first half, 
the Bears would be 3-2 and two ATS as they are 3-2 and two straight up. However, if we applied the Packers length three and a half in the first half to every single game they've been involved with, they would just be two and three against the spread. So over this key number three, it's hard not to gravitate toward the Bears as is indicated by the odds being more favored in that direction at minus 121. But because of the inability, not the inability, but just we haven't seen it from Fields to be a consistent thrower because that's the only way I think the Bears keep it close. And I don't know if they're going to establish that in the first half. They may try to still establish the run in the first half before they get to gunslinging with Fields. So I'm not fully confident in the Bears taking the three and a half. And I don't like laying over the key number of three in a first half or spread in general, even despite what the matchup is. But something's telling me that maybe the Packers would be the right call here because they could be up 10-3, right? They could be up 14-10, whatever it may be. And then you cover your three and a half and you're not paying as more with the minus 108 for Green Bay. So as much as I hate to say it, I think the small lean would be laying a three and a hook with the Packers, but I don't advocate for betting it. I think, again, as I always say, there are some better betting angles in the first half. Could that be with the total points in the first half? Well, that number at Bet Rivers is 22 and a half. Shaded to the under, minus 122 for the odds. The over is minus 107. Now, with the number at 22 and a half, the Bears over under record with that number this season would be 0 and 5, meaning the Bears in all of their games in the first half have failed to go over that in all five games. All five games, they have stayed under the first half total of 22 and a half. Remember, they're limiting their opponents to less than six first half points per game. The Packers are quite the opposite. Uh, they've gone over 22 and a half first half points in four out of five games. The only game they didn't go over was their first game where they had the neutral site in what? Jacksonville against New Orleans and they were losing 17 to three in that anomaly, anomaly of a game. I, that was just weird in general. But the Packers have been putting up points in their first halves thus far. I would love to say the under because that's how we've been kind of going with it this season, but I just fear that the Packers could easily get to two touchdowns and the Bears could do enough on their side to get you over 22 and a half. But simultaneously, I don't just want to actually put my money on expecting points out of this game with all the injuries that could be plaguing this contest. So I think this is a no play, or actually I know it's a no play on the total points in the first half at 22 and a half. But I actually would entertain the thought, and I haven't said this necessarily with the Bears and their offense. I mean, maybe a small lean, but I have a stronger lean with the total points for the Bears in the first half. Nine and a half is where the number is set at, and it's shaded to the under, minus 121. The over is minus 114, and I get why it's shaded to the under. I mean, they've only gone over it twice, and it was against Detroit, where they put up 14 and 14 against Las Vegas last week. Otherwise, they've stayed under nine and a half first half points in the other three games. But on the other side, I mean, Packers have allowed their opponents to get more than nine and a half first half points in four out of five games. The only team not to accomplish going over was San Francisco, who only got seven. Okay, but you look at the other opponents who were able to eclipse this mark of nine and a half first half points. The Lions got 17 on the road against the Packers. Pittsburgh and their inept offense got 10 on the road against the Packers. Cincinnati got 14. Look, I'm just saying if the Bears are at home and the Lions and Pittsburgh got over this mark, the Bears at home, why shouldn't they be able to with this Packers defense that is not that dominant? 
because you don't trust Justin Fields right out of the gate because they're going to try to establish a run, slow the tempo, not get as many scoring opportunities. Sure, perhaps that could be the case. But a touchdown and a field goal, I absolutely think is doable for this Bears team in the first half against Green Bay. I like that. And especially because you're not paying as much as you would with the under. And it's tougher to bet that under just because in terms of key numbers for the first half, I mean, 10 is certainly one of them. And 14 is two, as would, you know, six and a half, seven, 13, you know, all those. But, well, not being at 13 and a half, but you're getting 13 and a half, you're below the key number. And you know what I'm saying with nine and a half and six and a half. But for the fact that it's under the 10, I honestly think this is a good look for the Bears. If they can get a touchdown, I have faith enough in Cairo Santos, as should you. He hasn't proven or done anything otherwise to make you think that way, you know, knock on wood. But the Bears, if they get one good drive, maybe they get a turnover defensively that puts them in a good spot. Something fluky can happen in this division game at home. Absolutely, with a defense that's been stellar in the first half. That could set up the Bears to have great opportunities to get at least 10 points in this first half. So strongly considering that play, total points by the Bears in the first half, over 9.5, minus 114. Now, as for the Packers and their total points, 13.5 is the number we're seeing set, which, you know, if it was at 14, it'd be a much different conversation. But again, 14, somewhat quiche number with a high-scoring offense in the first half. So total points, 13 and a half. The under is the big favorite, though, minus 137. For the reasons we stated, Bears having the second best first half defense, limiting opponents to less than six points. Over 13 and a half is minus 103. But the Packers have scored at least 14 points or more in four out of five games this season. The only time they stayed under, which we alluded to, was against New Orleans, where they only got three in that ugly game where they just had no rhythm. Bears have held opponents under 13 and a half first half points in all five games though. So which one prospers through? Which one is going to break the mold? Is it going to be Green Bay still just getting over 13 and a half and beating this Bears defense right away? Or will Chicago's defense once again maybe bend but don't break and limiting their opponents to staying under this? I don't fully trust the Bears here, to be honest. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's different. It's the Packers. It is different. This team in the first half, again, has gone over this in four out of five games. And as good as this Bears defense has been in the first half, I still could just see an explosive play to Devontae Adams or whatever it may be hurting the Bears here or a turnover from the Bears that, of course, could screw them. So I slightly lean to the over, but I really don't want to play it. And I especially wouldn't play the under despite the Bears' success defensively in the first half because who would want to lay minus 137 under a key number with this Packers offense in this division rivalry game? I wouldn't. Minus 137 is too steep. I think either play the over 13 and a half for the Packers' first half total points or you stick away from it. But more importantly, the, the bet that I think actually could be a viable option, and it seems like, you know, people are probably thinking I'm biased because how could you trust the Bears to score 10 points? But again, the Packers have allowed every opponent except for one to get over this mark, and those opponents consisted of them being at Lambeau and being Detroit, uh, Pittsburgh, and then, of course, Cincinnati on the road. But if Pittsburgh can get 10, why couldn't the Bears? This Pittsburgh offense is terrible. Yeah, Damian Williams is out. David Montgomery is out. Okay, Herbert looked good last week, if not better than Damian Williams. Yeah, he's not going to be on the field for every single snap, but Justin Fields needs to throw the ball more. And if he throws the ball more, which they should against his banged up and just brutal secondary that the Packers present, then I don't see a reason why the Bears couldn't get to at least 10 points in the first half. So out of all those plays, 
If you're looking to get involved in a different angle, beginning a game, whatever it may be, because that could judge how you handicap the rest of the game if you want to just bet the first half, then I think total points by the Bears over 9.5 is your best play. I haven't done it officially per se, but I still always like to kind of just throw out my top one to give out to you guys because, hey, even if I'm not playing it, that doesn't mean it's a bad bet. It's just... I would rather do maybe quality over quantity or I'm not 100% there and I'm being more picky and choosy. But if I can lead you there and you're like, you know what, you make good points, but I trust you a little bit more. So I think that's a fine bet. Then good. I want to be able to set you up even if it's not an official play from me. That's, of course, the goal here. Just giving you good info and my analysis that could hopefully help you out and enjoy the game as a fan and, you know, try to make some money along the way. That's what we look to do here, baby. But total points by the Bears over nine and a half in the first half. Strongly consider that option going into this game. And hey, look, I mean, last year, just to throw out for reference, I mean, in the first halves against Green Bay, it was gross. But Green Bay was leading 27 to 10 in one game and 21 to 13 in the other. A little bit different quarterback situation and wide receiver weapons and running back situation. But my point being, the Bears got over that in both games last season. I know the Packers got into the 20s, but this Bears defense has been a lot better in the first half at least. But again, the Bears could have got over that last season with their quarterback debacle. You have probably a little bit more faith in Fields, even though he's not completing a lot of passes. Maybe that changes this Sunday, and maybe that starts right away out of the gates in the first half. So top of the list, Bears. First half team total points over nine and a half. All right, we're talking more Bears and Packers. Coming up next, Matt Reynoldson, ladies and gentlemen, sports anchor at WFRV Local 5 CBS station in Green Bay. Knows the ins and the outs of that squad. He will give us his plays, insights, analysis, and more on the team. And we'll talk a little bit of college football with both of our alma maters, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Big game on the road against Minnesota. Hell of a game this past week against Michigan. Will it be a letdown spot for the Huskers? We'll discuss that next. And then some official plays. And don't worry, next episode will get you all the props. Still plenty more action coming. Stick around. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. The Chicago CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting and it has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same-game parlays in all of the pro football matchups. Plus, they're bringing back the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million Beat the Spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at Bet Rivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bets. Welcome back into the Chicago City Cats presented by Bet Rivers. It is time to welcome in a very special guest, 
former classmate of mine, both alumnus of the University of Nebraska. So we will for sure be sulking in our sorrows toward the end of this interview. <laughs> but primarily, we're here to talk Bears and Packers. And that's Matt Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen, at Matt underscore Reynoldson on the tweets. He's a sports anchor over in Green Bay for WFRV, the local five CBS affiliate in Green Bay. So he knows the Packers like the back of his hand. Matt, as always, my man, it is a pleasure to talk with you about this rivalry game. How are things up in Green Bay treating you? You know, things are really good, and especially uh, especially on Bears Week, it's always kind of a different juice around here. And, and last year, that was much anticipated, but with the weird year that 2020 was, it didn't just have that same type of luster. Even though both games held some uh, held some pretty big significance last year, now that the fans are back, and it's the first Bear Packer game at Soldier Field with fans since game one of 2019, I think that gives people a lot to look forward to and, and brings back some good memories. And maybe some bad memories for uh, for both sides, players <laughs> on both sides of this rivalry. Absolutely. Well, you're right. I mean, and that's why there's so much excitement this year in general with the NFL, but even more so for us here in the Chicagoland area because of what happened in the draft with Justin Fields and, you know, hopefully the Bears getting their savior in their quarterback. And look, it's not like he's been padding the stats and, you know, throwing out fireworks in the box score at the end of the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, he has gotten the job done in two out of three of the starts, you know, throwing out that Cleveland game that was just a mess all over the place. He has taken advantage of some of those inferior teams being the Lions and you know the Raiders weren't necessarily inferior but they were dealing with the Gruden stuff on that Friday leading into the weekend that definitely could have been a distraction but of course now it's a real test for the Bears right and at least you're getting Green Bay at home but it is a division game and a rivalry game so you always think it gets played a little bit closer however Matt with all this injury news and speculation with Chicago you know no Damian Williams Akeem Hicks is questionable Allen Robinson Khalil Mack are questionable but those are guys that are typically always on the list and end up playing but this line has moved up it opened three and a half went to four and a half and then went as high as six now it's kind of settled back at five and a half in favor of your Green Bay Packers with the total dipping to 44. Uh, what do you think about these injuries that the Bears are kind of involved with right now? How do you think that's going to play an impact into this game and the spread? And then, of course, I know Green Bay's a little banged up, too. Yeah, Green Bay has had some uh, major injury issues, uh, the first and most notable being all pro cornerback Jair Alexander. He, he will not play. He was moved on to uh, short-term IR at the end of last week, something that we all expected after an AC joint injury. They actually got several different medical opinions um, uh, in the middle half of last week, just trying to do everything they could to avoid season-ending surgery. They got a few opinions they liked, and it turned, it, it turned out that they were not going to shut him down for the rest of the season. They were going to let that heal uh, on its own and um, let him play with a brace. So that was a kind of a big win long-term for the Packers, which I think for those, for the injury news uh, with much of, much of this roster, the impact players throughout the roster between Marquez Valdez Scantling at wide receiver, David Bakhtiari still on pup list, the uh, all pro left tackle and the highest paid one in the NFL. That's uh, that that's something that the Packers are really hoping that they can get healthy uh, get, get all these guys back, maybe even to Zadarius Smith for a later stretch of the season. But, you know, going back to what you said about uh, the line of this game, I think uh, Green Bay has maybe been a little bit overvalued coming into this one. But, I mean, they've, they've got that value of the points because of what they did last year in, in pulling away and covering the spread in so many of those games. I mean, last year's games, it, it, I think 
Aaron Rodgers took advantage of a lot of lack of road crowds, but uh, the Packers were blowing teams out and had a, an absolutely historic offense uh, in, in the year 2020, setting all kinds of records. Obviously, Rodgers won his third MVP, but I think Green Bay is still maybe getting a little bit overvalued from a points perspective because of that. This defense is still kind of trying to round into form, but you mentioned the running backs for Chicago and, and trying to get a ground game. When, when this series has been really tight in the past few years, Chicago's gotten it done on the ground. And do they have that? Do they open some things up with Justin Fields in the read option game? I, I liked what they did against the Raiders. I liked the game plan. Obviously, the defense carried the day in that one. But uh, Justin Fields also didn't make mistakes. And that was key in a game like that uh, for a team just desperate for a spark in, in Las Vegas. They didn't get it in that game. And I think that was uh, really important, the way he managed the game. Obviously, you're counting on him to be more a dynamic playmaker than just a game manager. But, you know, even the best playmakers have to really manage the clock, manage the game, and do what they can to be just a true signal caller at times. Yeah, and, and you bring up the Bears running back situation, and it, there's such an anomaly with that running game in terms of if they rely on it, if they abandon it. But that, of course, is when Nagy's in control of calling the plays. When it's been Bill Lazor, it's obviously been more of a balanced attack or approach. And, you know, more so relying on the runs in games against the Lions and the Raiders where they could pick that apart. But, you know, against the Packers, where their secondary is maybe a little bit more liable to giving up those advantages to their opposing teams, I kind of feel like, Justin Fields will be having to be forced to throw the ball more, especially, you know, even if the ground game is kind of getting a rhythm, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to have his way at one point or another against his Bears secondary that's given up over 250 passing yards per game. And I think because they'll be trailing and needing to play catch up with the Packers, Fields will have to be forced to throw. He hasn't thrown for more than 20 attempts in a game thus far. And Matt, when we're looking at some of his props and what he's, you know, potentially going to be putting up for this upcoming week. We're seeing this number at about uh, 29 and a half for his pass attempts shaded to the under still. Now, again, you know, 20 is the most he's had and he's done it twice, but every Packers opponent, except for Jameis Winston have thrown for at least 30 passing attempts. And on average opponents are thrown 35 times per game versus green Bay. How do you look to approach that? I mean, again, because I think Fields will need to throw the ball. He hasn't gotten close to that. But in this specific game, I think we could probably see him get into the 30 passing attempts range, especially because of the running back injuries. Yeah, don't get too thrown off by that Jameis Winston uh, pass attempts uh, stat because it was actually the most pass touchdowns for the least amount of attempts and the least amount of yards in NFL history, or I, I believe at least since the 1960s. So just some crazy stat skews there from Jameis Winston in week one, 150 yards, five touchdowns through the air. Absolutely torched the Packers on that front. But I think this is a real different test for, uh, for Joe Barry, the new defensive coordinator and this Packers defense. How much press coverage will they play? How much slot corner defense will they play? Where are they going to let Justin Fields have his windows? Because with any, with any good quarterback, with any upper echelon quarterback in the NFL, you're needing you're going to need to give up a window you can't close every window this isn't you know the 85 bears defense this isn't uh, some of those great ravens defenses from the early 2000s like there, there is just no way uh with the way that the nfl is geared toward quarterbacks and passing the football that you can close every window or get everything shut down so what those are, are they going to let justin fields have how much of an, a rhythm does that get the bears offense into 
And does Justin Fields start to laser in on maybe a favorite target? Does Allen Robinson show up with a big game? You know, we've seen it all throughout the NFL this year. Uh, under the radar type, oh, somebody comes out with a 150-yard receiving game out of nowhere. Maybe that could be this game. Uh, and Justin Fields finds a, uh, finds a, a favorable target on that front. Yeah, pass attempts, he's at 29 and a half. His completions in 17 and a half. And I get why that's favored more so to the over because it's a lower mark, but it, it's just right. really tough to bet anything with Justin Fields right now because you haven't seen that occur yet. And they haven't needed to focus on that. Or also, you don't know if he's not, I mean, we know he's going to be capable of it, but with this Bears offensive line and the scheming, we just haven't seen it actually come to fruition. That's why his passing yards prop two is so low at 202 and a half. But if there's a game where he's going to be forced to throw and can maybe take advantage of the opposing squad, it might just be against Green Bay. So personally, I'm keeping an eye out on some of his props. But also from, you know, Green Bay standpoint, then, Matt, uh, we talk about injuries and, you know, Aaron Jones is popping up as questionable. Is there any reason we should believe he actually might not play? And if he doesn't, you know, how much faith do you have in A.J. Dillon? Because Dillon's a pretty solid back as a second string guy. Yeah, in my estimation, I don't think uh, Aaron Jones is banged up enough to perhaps not go. Uh, I, I think that he, you know, he, he's someone that bounces back pretty well from injuries, treats his body pretty well. Um, a, a questionable designation wasn't necessarily a red flag when it came to Jones. And obviously a lot of the writers around here are very plugged in uh, inside 1265 Lombardi. Um, and so, so they, if, if they're not throwing up red flags, I don't see any reason for the rest of us to, to on that front either. But this, this running back tandem has really been kind of a thunder and lightning punch that, that the Packers hoped it would be so far this year. And we saw AJ Dillon break out a little bit against Cincinnati on in that road game especially through the air I mean four receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown in that game in addition to what he did on the ground uh, rushing for uh, more than 30 yards in that one so he, he's someone that is really a, a, a nice second punch a, a change of pace back from what Aaron Jones does obviously Jones is has incredible speed and shiftiness and is an A1 back in the NFL but Dylan packs an absolute punch and carries more of that Derrick Henry weight stiff arms big time quads um, a, a guy that's just really tough to bring down and you don't you do not want to hit him in the a gap because he's going to drag you five yards so that makes green bay's ground attack uh, very formidable and uh, you know we'll see if the packers get a little healthier on the offensive line this week as well rookie center josh myers last week did not start because of a finger contusion a finger issue i believe it was dislocated uh, during the uh, during the Steelers game a couple weeks ago. So team medical doctors held him out of last week's game. He should be good to go this week, as well as all-pro guard slash tackle Elton Jenkins also should be good to go. Uh, he's been dealing with an ankle injury for the last three weeks, missed the San Francisco game, the Pittsburgh game, and the Cincinnati game. But he should be, uh, he should be back and ready to roll this week. He's had a good week of practice. Saw him out there yesterday at Ray Nischke Field, and he was moving around pretty well. Matt, let's talk a little bit more so about the offensive side for Green Bay. Devontae Adams, obviously having a great year. You know, he's leading the uh, league in receptions or not even, well, yeah, targets and receptions actually and receiving yards because I was going over some of the futures for just, you know, most receiving yards in the NFL. And Adams is at the top of the list, plus 650 along with Tyree Kill. And Adams has a lot of reason to 
show betters why he should end up at the top. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just relies on him so heavily and he's so consistent when he's healthy. And when we're looking at his props for this game, his receiving yards, it's high, but rightfully so. I mean, 97 and a half, his receptions mark is seven and a half shaded to the over minus 155 at Bet Rivers. Now, last season, the Bears actually did somewhat of a decent job limiting Adams. And I'm saying that relatively, like he's still got about six catches in each game. But for what he's capable of doing, they contained him for the most part. Do you expect the same to happen? Or are we going to see maybe a breakout game from Adams? And hey, even if we don't see a breakout game for Adams, is there anybody you're kind of keying in on that may be uh, a guy that you could buy low on heading into this matchup? Yeah, the thing is with Devontae Adams, you either have to sacrifice a defensive back to bracket him or he's, he's going to kill you. You know, I mean, he is a 99 in Madden for a reason. And every bit of that as a receiver career high, 206 yards catching or receiving in last week's game. And just unbelievable the way he can get open, the way he can pick apart defenses. You saw it on the final drive against San Francisco on Sunday night football. He somehow works his way in the middle of a five-man zone and a great throw by Aaron Rodgers as well but he just always finds himself in the right position one of the best jump guys one of the best route runners in the National Football League and those hands are just so hard to uh, rip anything away from so uh, Adams is going to get hits and you, you mentioned it that the Bears had a had, had a better time or at least a better time than some limiting him last year so we'll see if they bracket him we'll see if they do some different things throw some different looks at him but at this point in his career, he's seen about everything. Another guy that's seen about everything in his career with the Packers and then the past couple of years with the Cowboys and the Texans, but he's now back in Green Bay. The bear killer, Randall Cobb, is back again. He's had a great couple of weeks, had a real breakout game against, uh, against the Steelers in week four. Uh, five receptions, 69 yards, two touchdowns. Four of those catches came on third down. Had another big third down catch in overtime against the Bengals. He's been Mr. Consistent, and for a lot of people that thought he was maybe washed up a little bit heading into the season, his connection with Rodgers and his ability to get where he needs to on third down has been a real X factor for this team. I don't know if I'd take an over for receptions for him, uh, but yards maybe, because Randall Cobb is somebody that's going to be heavily involved in this offense, at least until Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets back in the fold. Yeah, and like you mentioned, I mean, his reception's two and a half, and that's even shaded to the under minus 186. But I'm with you. I think if you're betting Randall Cobb, 34 and a half is his receiving yards. Over on that would probably be the one I'd put at the top of the list. And it's funny because right when people started saying, as you were kind of alluding to, like he's washed up, not getting utilized, he came about, and that was against Pittsburgh, where he went five catches on six targets, 69 receiving yards, and then had a fairly decent game against Cincinnati. But you're right. I mean, he brought Randall Cobb here, being Aaron Rodgers, for a reason. And now it seems like he's utilizing him a little bit more. So it's kind of, you know, you know, I, I say I try to be as unbiased in terms of talking NFL as I can. So I was going to say it's kind of fun to see Aaron Rodgers and him get back in the mix. Because at this point of being a Bears fan, Matt, I've just accepted, and I did this a few years ago, that like Aaron Rodgers is just undeniably great and fun to watch even though he torches the bears so i just have to sit back and enjoy it before he actually retires because you have to kind of realize the greatness it's like lebron james like as a bulls fan you know i loathe them so much but now that you know especially he's on the western conference i just got to admire him and that's almost the same thing uh with aaron Rodgers and what he's capable of doing with green bay um, before we move on to another angle i want to ask you about matt you know revolving around aaron jones i know we kind of hinted on it but I think a couple interesting props for him that I wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on how he can be utilized. 
Uh, his receptions is three and a half, and the over is a little bit of plus money, plus 101. Or you could do his rushing attempts, 13 and a half. The over is minus 130. I believe he's gone over that for the rushing attempts in every game but one. Is there any between those two that you would have a lot of confidence in betting, whether it's one or the other or both? Or do you maybe just kind of stay away because of the injury? Are you a little bit hesitant? You know, actually, I, I bet that receptions number does intrigue me because teams with elite pass rushers, and that's what Chicago has shown to be most every year, but especially this year, you know, with the um, league leading 18 sacks, I believe, on the year. Teams with elite pass rushers don't want those pass rushers to drop back into coverage and drop back and take a leaking running back out of the backfield. And, and that's something that Matt LaFleur has, has really started to utilize as this season has worn on. He's a gifted play caller. We know that he uses every piece of Aaron Rodgers' skill set, even if even if LaFleur in, in some of those tight situations may get in his head so, sometimes. His play design is, you know, that of Kyle Shanahan, that of Sean McVay. I mean, they're all cut from the same cloth, and, and they all have really an innate understanding of how to use motion and draw defensive eyes off. I think if uh, the Bears are looking to tee off and maybe rattle Aaron Rodgers, I think the I think the Packers take those checkdowns. So I think maybe uh, th that three and a half number could pretty easily go over. All right, and then final question I'll get you for this game, and then we'll talk about our Huskers. Uh, this total map for this game, like I said, you know, it went down to 44, and honestly, I, I was kind of thinking this might have the makings of going over because you look at the side of Green Bay, and you were assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to do Aaron Rodgers things and be able to put up enough points to maybe cover, but especially do enough on their side to get this total over, despite how good the Bears' defensive efforts may be. I mean, they're second best in the first half, limiting opponents to less than six first half points per game. And then the second half is when the opposing teams start to come alive. But again, you know, the secondary is good as people like to think, you know, Eddie Jackson really isn't the player he was in 2018 and got paid to be Jalen Johnson's been a stud for sure, but there are some gaps that Aaron Rodgers is familiar with exposing. And I think he'll be able to do the same. Of course, and the big question is, can Justin Fields produce enough to keep up to get this total over? Because now that it's down to 44, it seems intriguing. And, you know, the Bears, again, to stay close in this game or even win it, can't rely on the on the ground game. I mean, Green Bay has been sufficient in limiting the run and especially with these injuries. So I think it's going to be more passing from the Bears. And I kind of lean to the over, but I'm not officially there. Do you think that may be worth the play or would you maybe steer me in a different direction and say, don't touch this total? Yeah, Danny, when I look at uh, when I look at totals like this, especially totals that are on the fence, I tend to look at um, I, I tend to try and look at what the underdog's offense looks like against the favorite's defense. Green Bay being the favorite in this game, but they have allowed a touchdown every time an opponent has reached the red zone this season. That is a very concerning stat in Packer circles, even though Matt LaFleur said this week that stats are for losers. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is something that could really kind of push the Bears total up in this game and I think especially with the different things you can do play calling wise with the mobile quarterback in the red zone we see it at every level we see it uh, in the NFL with what Kyle Shanahan's done with Trey Lance we see it in college with mobile quarterbacks all the time you just have more options in the red zone with a guy that can get out on a boot or get out and run or get out in the zone read option game I think the Bears could really capitalize when they get to the red zone against this defense even though they're probably going to be dialed in on fixing that part of the game you know it, things don't just magically fix themselves it takes 
a few weeks to, to, to get something figured out, especially just when it pops up as a glaring issue. So I think the Bears capitalize in the red zone a little bit, and I think that ends up pushing this total over. Um, you, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers and, and what this passing game can be. Uh, I think the Packers, with what they've figured out on the offense, and especially the O-line getting healthy again, I think that uh, I think they could really test this Bears defense. Uh, I'm leaning over, and I'm feeling pretty safe about it right now, but I haven't been great with totals this year, so don't take that for gospel. <laughs> I hear you, man. Look, totals are so volatile in the first place, and especially this season to where you have a solid group that have a great defense and then the other group that just have an insane offense. But it's just it's so Jekyll and Hyde with the totals. And I've kind of been the same. I mean, I think if you're doing totals first half total bets are kind of a little bit better route, honestly, especially for this Bears team that, again, defensively have been a lot better in the first half as we do have Matt Reynolds joining us sports anchor out in Green Bay for the local CBS station at Matt underscore Reynolds is where you could catch him on Twitter getting us prepped for the Bears and the Packers and then Matt finally before we let you go here you and I of course attended the University of Nebraska and you know you grew up in Nebraska so you have endured the heartbreak a lot more than I have in a sense but these past several years under Scott Frost have been something different but this season is is kind of strange because no they're not racking up the dubs but there's a little bit different sentiment in terms of them at least being competitive and knowing they're in the right situations to get these victories but they're just still continuing to shoot themselves in the foot um, Michigan, the Adrian Martinez fumble, you know, that's unfortunate, but we've seen that happen. The punt against Michigan state. Don't even get me started on that. Oklahoma's a respectable loss, Illinois week zero shenanigans, whatever. But this week is very intriguing going up against Minnesota because the Gophers are a team that is banged up and has been very volatile, you know, losing at home to Bowling Green was absurd, but you know, you shut out Colorado on the road. They're just such a hard team to get a gauge on. But Nebraska's gotten a love on the spread here. They're up to a four-point favorite. This total's 49. I actually, and I try to avoid betting Nebraska so they can't disappoint me even more so, Matt. <laughs> but I, I bet them down to minus three at the beginning of the week because I don't necessarily see it as a letdown spot because we thought there were going to be a couple other letdown spots, and that really hasn't been the case for the Huskers. Yeah, defense travels. It certainly does. This defense is absolutely salty. And I know it got gassed. It got gassed in the second half, and you know, we can we can give all sorts of reasons for that. My personal favorite reasons is are was the abomination of officiating in the first half mm -hmm. that kept drives rolling for the Wolverines. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's tough to stay on the field for that long. And they were on the field for a long time in that game. Something Jim Harbaugh teams and, and that offense and, and the way they do things, they like to keep ball control. So that defense was on the field for a long time. So maybe give them a I'll give them a pass on a couple of those second half touchdowns. But this defense is salty. Top two tacklers in the Big Ten. You know, they've got uh, some real pass rush from different places, especially in those nickel packages. Um, that defensive line stands up to just about any D line in the Big Ten. I mean, this is this is a bona fide top four defense in the conference, mm -hmm. top four, top five defense in the conference. When you consider Iowa, Wisconsin, maybe Michigan and Penn State and then Nebraska is right there with them. Uh, this is it's it's been impressive to watch this year. They're a complete team but they really find a way to lose some close games. And Danny, I know you and I have torn our hair out <laughs> with, uh, with that one. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people are, are, are predicting that, you know, maybe Nebraska could pull away. You know, we'll see what kind of punch Minnesota has early, coming off a of bye, trying to do some new wrinkles and punch Nebraska in the mouth. But, you know, it, I think if Nebraska gets a, a lead in this one, 
this this could turn into a little bit of a runaway. But if it's close going into the fourth quarter, watch out because the Huskers sure find a way to agonizingly blow games. Yes, you you nailed that perfectly. If it's close going into the fourth quarter, we are definitely going to continue to pull our hair out. But you're right. If they can get that early lead, should be able to trust this defense that you said is more of a top defense in the conference to hold that lead and to contain this Minnesota offense. So uh, hopefully our hair stays intact, as with our sanity <laughs> for this game, Matt. And hopefully we get a fun one on Sunday. We appreciate you helping us handicap and kind of previewing it. And I know you're doing great work up in Green Bay. So everybody be sure to give Matt a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore for Reynoldson even though if you're not a Packers fan we're of course going to be betting all the NFL games so he'll get you in tune and those last minute updates and just throughout the week it's great following the local beat reporters and just guys who cover it locally with these teams so he's a sports anchor for WFRV local 5 CBS in Green Bay he'll get you covered on a daily basis at Matt underscore Reynoldson Matt my man it was a pleasure as always and a blast we'll look forward to talking when they meet again later this season yeah, Danny, always looking forward to talking to you and, uh, and great to hear from you, my man. You bet. Matt Reynoldson once again. Coming up next here on the Chicago City Cast, we'll give my final plays heading into Saturday and preview a little bit more for Bears and Packers coming up next. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. All right, a big thanks to Matt Reynoldson joining us on the Chicago City Cast, getting us prepped for Bears and Packers. Big line movement in that game in favor of Green Bay up to six, five and a half right around that territory. And of course, as we mentioned, the total dropping down to about 44 injuries may be a plenty in this game. So keep an eye on those reports before you place your bets and just really right before the game so you can understand what the better angles could be. But always love catching up with Matt. Knows his ins and outs of football, especially with the Packers and the Huskers that he covered so dearly. But again, you know, speaking of Nebraska, I mentioned and I talked about it on my show Rush Hour, but... I did want to just throw this one out. I did bet the Huskers in their game against Minnesota. Now, when I did it, they were about a three and a half point favorite earlier in the week. They opened two and a half, went up to three and a half. And I kind of assumed it would keep getting bet up, which it did, because now you see it at four. And when it was at three and a half, I bought it down to three. And I paid a little bit more naturally, you know, minus 125. Some spots give you minus 120, but even a little bit more, I laid minus 125 for Nebraska laying three at Minnesota. This and any other season is a classic do not trust Nebraska moment, right? I, I just absolutely not. Bad situation because of what happened last week against Michigan, because it's a game you probably should win, but they'll find a way to lose. I get it. And that could still happen. But again, as Matt and I were talking about, I mean, this team has a different feel in the sense that they're actually getting up for every game. Defense travels, as he mentioned, and Nebraska's defense has been solid. Can the offense do enough? And against this Minnesota defense, I absolutely think they can. They need to get out to that early lead that Matt also alluded to. And if they can, they should be able to win and cover this game. At four, hey, if you have more confidence in Nebraska, Godspeed, then yes, I would rather play them than Minnesota. But maybe at this point that the line's gotten out of hand, wait for an in-game betting opportunity. 
If Nebraska looks like they're kind of getting shaky on the road, you know, don't touch it or bet Minnesota. Or if it looks like they're getting some momentum, but the game's close enough to still get a good bet in, then you could jump on the Huskers. But I do think Nebraska gets the job done, and I think they can cover that three spot. And, hey, if they're covering three realistically, I think they probably win by, you know, six, seven or more. So take that as you will, but I think the Huskers get the job done. They've had their chances to have the letdown spots. After Illinois, you know, they beat up on an inferior opponent, but they still get the job done. Who was at Buffalo? They smack Fordham. And then you get close against Oklahoma, but still lose that game. But it didn't matter because they still find found a way to keep it close, right? And, you know, just going back, because I want to find the exact pattern of what the schedule was, uh, because I think, what was it? It was Michigan State after Oklahoma. Okay, yes. Yeah, so they lose to Illinois. Then you smack down Fordham 52-7. to That's expected. Whatever. Then you beat Buffalo 28-3. to Again, expected. But you go into Oklahoma. You go into Norman. And you keep it close and lose. Not a heartbreaker, but a very tough game where you just throw everything out there. Classic letdown spot on the road against Michigan State. Who is hot? No. That was a game Nebraska should have won. A faulty punt screwed them. And they lose, but just by three. So it wasn't a letdown spot. All right, a gross, ugly loss, but you get Northwestern at home. They'll probably win, but will it be close? No. They smack them 56-7. to So then you get momentum going into Michigan, a game where you probably could have and should have won. Bad play at the end once again, but you lose 32-29. to It's just a different feeling in camaraderie and sentiment and just type of atmosphere around this team. Frost finally has his guys playing the way he intended them to. It's just they still can't get over shooting themselves in the foot, but they should be able to against a team in Minnesota that is inferior as of this point. That's been the difference. Nebraska's made the opponents worse than them pay for it, which that wasn't the case in the past. Which Biggest example, taking on Northwestern 56-7. Ford and Buffalo handled business. Illinois, week zero, throw that out the window. Who cares? It was week zero. But at this point, Nebraska realistically should be about one, two, three. They should have four wins right now. They should have beat Michigan, beat Northwestern, beat Michigan State, Buffalo, four. Actually, five wins. I'm sorry. Illinois, I'll count that as a loss because it was sloppy. So five wins for Nebraska. They should be five and two right now, in my opinion. In my biased opinion, if you want to call it. But I'm more harsh on Nebraska than most people. But I think Nebraska, if they are the team that they are leading us to believe they have been up to this point, should be able to take care of business against the Gophers. So again, I bought it down and laid the three with Nebraska taking on Minnesota. If you want to stay away from it because it's ugly, I don't blame you at all. But uh, I don't know why I'm trusting them, but I am. So let's go Huskers taking on the Gophers. And then another bet I made, won't get too much into it because uh, it's SEC. And I know a lot of people probably don't care as much, but I did the over in our, uh, Auburn and Arkansas 53. If you can still get 53, bet the total over for Auburn and Arkansas. But that is going to wrap up another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll still have our next episode coming with plenty of props and a full in-depth preview of the Packers and the Bears. Until then, take care, enjoy your weekend, and best of luck with all your wagers. Remember, at DannyBurke5 with me on Twitter. My show, Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Take care. We'll talk soon. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today.
Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.